What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Link Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we wanna remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. And now we want to look at faith's response, right? Or the response of faith. And I really want you to listen with real open hearts and open spirits because it's a slight tweak, but it's really a paradigm shift in how most of us, and I'm really speaking to myself, have lived the majority of our Christian lives. So all of this information is right on the Bible app. It's also on Church Online. Follow along. You'll notice in the intro, and I'm actually going to minister the intro today because it's so pivotal to our foundation text. It says, there is a distinction between performance-based Christianity and living lives of faith in which we correctly respond to the finished works of Jesus. I actually spent the first 24 years of my saved life performing. And how many know that's exhausting, that's tiring, right? Everything I did, I did for approval. I did to show God that I loved him. I did to get him to do something for me. I mean, no, that's a lot of work and can be frustrating on the back end when we don't get the results that we believed we did something for, right? And so all of it was really based on if I do this, then God, I trust and believe that you'll do that. And how I many know, again, that's really, uh, I thank God for that start, but it can be frustrating and it can be tiring. Because of our, our, our identity in Christ, we do not have to work for God's blessings. Jesus has done everything necessary to make what we need available. And we understand that as parents, right? I would hope that my children wouldn't believe that they need to stop and think about, are they right with me before they ask me for something? Well, I mean, those are my children. There's nothing they can do that can stop me from loving them. Right? Now, things that they can do can stop me from blessing them at greater levels, but it's really nothing they can do to stop me from loving them. Right, my daughter is the greatest example of that. We have our daddy-daughter date on tomorrow. And I always let her choose the location. And she said, let's meet at Avalon for dinner. Now, I mean, no, really, dinner is not the deal there. Avalon has all of her favorite shops. So the end result of that, she knows that her daddy loves her so much that after we get done eating, guess what we're going to do? walk around and, and go to all her little favorite spots, and guess what she's going to go back to college with? Bags. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Multiple bags. No. All right, so now, she's not at all, I promise you. With she, limits. With limits. <laughs> I promise you, she's not thinking tomorrow morning I need to pray an hour to get God, get my dad to do that. She's not thinking I need to, to make sure everything is right to get my dad to do that. She knows how much her dad loves us. All she has to do is be present, and those things come along with it. Is everybody clear on that? But not just that. She knows she's in right standing. She knows she's in right standing with, with dad. her dad. Yep. And Excellent. so she takes the liberty of doing that. Exactly. Excellent. Thank you, babe. Let's keep reading. So we have already been made righteous and holy. Nothing else we need, he needs to do. Nothing we can do to be more righteous or holy than we are right now. 
we have already been healed. If you get healed today, it just happened today, but he did it over 2,000 years ago. All right? I'm going to go real slow. We've already been made whole. We're already prosperous, right? In light of all of this, then we now have to learn how to respond to what we believe he's already provided for us, not do something to get him to do something for us. And we're going to spend, so we're really going to get into this. It should be a real blessing to your life. To see manifestations in our lives, responding in faith positions us, listen very carefully, to receive what he's already provided for us. Now, I want to go real slow with that. Responding in faith positions us to receive. So, in other words, what we're believing for is already present. Whether or not we manifest it doesn't depend on God. It depends on how we respond to what we believe he's already done. Does everybody understand the difference between that? Right? And so, healing is already present. Whatever it is I'm believing for is already present. What determines whether or not I manifest that is my response. And my response has to be building a better relationship with God. So for years, what I always heard was faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So what I would do was ride around and just listen to tapes about faith, right, and, and requote the Scripture. How I many know that's only half the battle? Faith comes by hearing, but how I many know faith doesn't develop by hearing? That's good. You can hear it all day long. It doesn't mean it's developing until you actually act on what you heard. That's right. That's Everybody right. understand the difference. So the difference between manifesting something that God has already provided for me is how I respond to what I believe he's already done for me. All of my actions are going to line up with what I believe he's, he's provided for me. And we're going to give you plenty of examples of what that looks like. So to see manifestations in our lives, lives, responding in faith positions us to receive what is already waiting for us. Having a personal relationship with God strengthens our faith. This relationship influences everything else. So when we think about growing in our faith, the way I used to see that and believe that was I've got to study more about that. Not studying for growing closer to God, but studying to learn more about faith so I can get God to do more in my life. You all understand the difference? But really, real Bible faith is it's belief in a person and what he's done for us. So I'm really studying to grow in my personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, it's slight, but that's a major difference. Right? I don't really want her to love me because she wants something from me. I want her to love me because she loves me. Now it's my joy to do things for her. Everybody understand the difference? So now, when we're talking about relationship, that relationship influences our giving, right? So, so you can determine what level of relationship you have with God. Just look at your giving. It is a direct response to how much you actually trust God. So when you hold on to it, what you're literally saying is, I don't trust you with my resources, God. I trust me. And so after I get done doing what I want to do with them, and then they, they blow up and, and I become successful, then I'll do something for you. How I many know in the kingdom it'll never work that way? That's right. Right? And so our giving is a reflection of our relationship. Our church attendance is a reflection of our relationship. Our prayer lives is a reflection of our relationship. Think about it. 
I want to talk to someone that I'm in love with. Come on, folks, don't leave me out here by myself. I can remember we would talk for hours just getting to know each other, right? And it would seem like minutes went by. Because when you're in love with someone, you want to fellowship, you want to commune, you want to talk to them, right? You wake up in the morning thinking about what, when am I going to get to talk to my baby? Think about it. If you never talk to God and the only time you talk to him is on Sunday and you're not talking to him on Sunday, I'm talking to you. He's talking through me to you. That's a reflection of relationship. I really don't trust my prayers. I, oh, I don't know enough about how to pray. All right? And you're going to get all of that in this, this, this portion of this message uh, or in this series. Now, our witnessing, our serving, everything we do, right? We respond to God's favor the right way when, he, when we believe he loves us no matter what. Somebody say, God loves me. God loves me. No matter what. No Come on, what. say it online. Put your hand over your heart and say, God loves me. God loves me. No matter what. No matter what. Have confidence in that. Let's look at our foundation text in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, everything that I just said is in this foundation text, but I want you to listen carefully to how we walk through this, okay? Amplified did an excellent job of really defining what words mean, so I don't really need to do a lot to help out what the Amplified has already done with this text. It says, for it is by grace God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing us to Christ that you have been saved. So I want to reiterate something. You are not saved by faith. You are saved by grace. Right. That's right. I need a little better amen. Amen. I need a stronger amen online. I need a stronger amen in the room. Amen. Right? There's this huge debate out here, which one is greater? Is faith greater or is grace greater? It's real clear, folks. If it wasn't for what God did, then faith would have, it would be void. That's right. That's right. So it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved. Notice the been saved, past tense. All right? Now, again, I want you to listen. Minister Johnny, you can judge what I'm getting ready to say. God is not saving anybody today. In God's mind, the whole world has already been saved. That's right. That's right. What determines whether or not we ever walk in it is how we respond to what he provided for us. That's right. And that's faith. So when people respond today and they come back to Christ or they give their lives to Christ, I mean, no, they didn't get saved. They experienced salvation that was provided over 2,000 years for them. That's right. They experienced it today because they responded in faith and believed that he's delivered them from eternal damnation. Everybody clear on that? All right, let's keep reading here. Actually been delivered from judgment, or actually that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. You all see that? So it is by grace through faith. It's what he did and then how we respond to it. So I want you to think about it. If our eternity happened that way, then why wouldn't everything else in life happen that That's way? That's right. Right? If he did the most difficult thing in life, which was save us from eternal damnation in hell, if he did it that way, all we had to do is use our faith to believe in that, 
then why would anything else come differently? Why would I have to give $1,000 for him to bless me? Right? Well, why would, I, why would the amount of my giving determine how much he can bless me? I think it's the amount of his giving that determines how much he can bless me. And he gave me everything he could possibly give me in the person of his son. Is everybody clear on that? Now, let's keep reading here. Through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own efforts. He's making it real clear. But it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. And, of course, people struggle with that. Why is it undeserved? It's undeserved from the standpoint of you did nothing to earn it. It is a gracious gift from God to you. All right? So God loves you so much that what he's saying is all you've got to do is respond to what I've already provided, and you'll walk in the fullness of the life that you always dreamed about living. Okay? Now, let's keep reading here. Not of yourselves, not of works, verse 9 here, not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. And folks, again, I'm taking my time on purpose. You notice if you listen to people over the years, I would always take credit for when God blessed me. What I mean by that is, you know, I did this, and then God blessed me with that. I mean, that was all about me showing off. That was all about my prayer. I saved, I did this, I moved out of the house, I, and God blessed me with. Man, I'm embarrassed to even remember I used to minister that way. I mean, that's all me taking credit. At the end of the day, and I'll use marriage as an example, the way I would have taught that before was that I saved my money, I moved out of my mother's house, right? I, I paid off my debt, I got myself in position. And these are all things that we should do. And because I did that, God blessed me with her. I mean, you know, that's not the way that really went. I was already around. She was already present, right? And so before I ever met her, the reality of that is I began responding in ways to prepare for what I believed he already provided for me. You all see the difference now? It's small, well, but it's major. All this glory, right? I had to get ready for all this yes. and, and still have to stay ready to keep it. Yes. So, so think about it. I had to respond the right way to get it. But I mean, no, I have to keep responding the right way to keep it. Everybody clear on that? All right, so I just wanted to show that. So, so whenever you make it about I gave this and God blessed me with a job, that's, bad, that's wrong. That's you taking credit. It should be, I believe God has the best job for me available, so I'm responding this way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You all see the difference? All right, because let's keep reading. Because I trust him. Because I trust I him. I do. There you go. You know, because I trust him to be a supplier of my needs, I give. Because I trust him to heal me, I'll... I'll, I'll blind myself up what I know his will is for my life and eating right, doing what I know to do. And I know that he'll meet me right where I am to man and, and it'll manifest not by what he is going to do, but by what he's already done. And I put myself in position to receive it. That's so good. Everybody clear on that? Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. Created in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to show you the process here. Reborn from above. Now, when you're reborn from abo above, that means you're born again. 
you have given your life to Christ. You have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. How many know it should never stop there? Right? A lot of people give their lives to Christ, and they think the process now after that is I go to church. No, the process after salvation is to renew your mind. That's right. You have to now change the way you think. If you don't change the way you think, nothing changes in your life. All right? So notice he gives the process right here in the Amplified. It says here, for we are his workmanship, a work of our created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed. Well, how do we become spiritually transformed, right? When we become saved, his nature comes to live on the inside of us, right? Old nature is kicked out. New nature comes in. But now, how you know, now I have to renew my mind. Spiritually, I'm changed, but I still think the same way. And this is why you see people that are saved still act the same way they did when they weren't saved. Oh, Lord. Yeah. And how many know people can live like that their whole saved lives? I'm saved, but because I never really grew in my relationship, changed the way I think, studied the Word of God, I still hang out, I still go to clubs, I still date people that are not saved, I still sleep with people I'm not married with. I know, I, I know I'm not getting a lot of amens right here. I still drink, I still, hello, somebody, so therefore but I, I go still, to church. But I still get my results, and I don't get to experience the promises of God that I hear everybody else talking about. Yeah. And so therefore, now this is condemnation thinking. So therefore, I'm thinking that maybe God doesn't love me as much. Maybe I'm insufficient. Um, maybe, no, it's because you hadn't gotten that renewed mind, whereas you are now postured to receive. Now, when we travel, we go overseas. Okay, so when we go to England, we're okay because we speak English, right? They understand us and we understand them. But if we were to dip and go to Korea, how many of you know there's not going to be an easy conveyance of understanding? We have to line up with that culture and we have to line up with their language. When you become born again, it's exactly that, reborn, renewed. You now have to understand and live by the culture and the language of God. He is not about to translate himself into you. He's already done it. We have to translate ourselves into him. There used to be a saying, uh, be under the spot where the blessing comes out. There's a little bit more revelation than what we gave it back in the day because the, the blessing is only coming out one way, and it's his way. Right. See, a lot of times what we're saying is, God, bless what I'm doing. And what God is saying, no, do, do what, what I'm, I'm blessing. blessing. It's a big difference, right? So let's keep reading here. So renew, ready to be used, spiritually transformed, then you're ready to be used. So notice, if you don't go through the salvation process, spiritually, if you don't renew your mind, I mean, really, God can't use you at the level he desires to use you at. Now, let's keep reading. Renew, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. 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 Taking paths which he set. So there are a couple of ways I can do dating as a single person. I can do it the way I've already seen it. Or I can take the path that he set for me. Because the way I seen it growing up was, you know, you, you get together, you, you, you try it out, you live together. Hello, somebody. You might even have a kid together to see if we could be a good family together without marriage. How I many know that's not a path that he set for us? That's a path that I'm taking. 
We can approach every aspect of our lives that way. Then we can get married, and we can do marriage the way we saw our parents do it or our grandparents do it. Or we can do it the way he said, which has order. It has clearly defined roles. Hello, he should be providing. She should be secure. Children should come after marriage. Don't get condemned if it happened before because you can still get this right. Hello. All right, so now notice paths which he said that we should walk in them. Then you get to live the good life, watch this, which he prearranged and made ready for. Mm. Mm. I can go home right there, folks. Mm. That means God laid out everything that you would ever need in this life through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. So it's not on his end whether or not you ever walk in it. It is on your end whether or not you will renew your mind and take the path that he set for you so that you can walk in the stuff that he prearranged before time. If you're not walking in it, then just look at what, am I doing this my way or his way? That's good. And there's a big difference between the two. Go ahead, Ben. So in other words, I can't be more confident in what somebody else is doing for me than I am in what God has already done for me. Right. I can't be more confident in the doctor's ability to get me healed. He's just a vessel by which God will minister healing to me. I can't be more confident in my husband. I mean, I'm married to a great man, but the reality is I cannot be more confident in him than I am in God because the minute he lets me down, now my confidence is shaken. That's right. Whereas if my confidence is in God, yeah, I might get hurt, but the reality is if he want to mess up, he can mess up if he want to, but I know God has something better for me in store. That's right. That's right. And, and in that, folks, I know somebody might hear that the wrong way. That's the secret sauce of our marriage. I actually don't need her, and she doesn't need me. I want you, though. Yeah, and I, but I want her, and she wants me. So listen to this. We both depend on God more than we do each other. So anything we give each other is just a plus but neither one of us are needy because we have everything we need in God. So if you think marriage is going to solve your loneliness, you are sadly mistaken. There are many a lonely wives and husbands in the earth, saved too, because God is not their source. All too often we put our spouses on thrones that they didn't earn. And we got to be careful to I love you, I trust you, I believe in you, and even I depend on them. But he is not the foundation of my source. He is not the rock of my foundation, That's of right. my salvation. That's so good. So how faith responds. We're talking about how faith responds. We are the conduits. We are the vessels of faith, okay? God is faithful, but he is not responsible for our response. We're responsible for our response, and our response should always be faith. So, how does faith respond? We're going to talk about a few points, but we're going, to talk, we're going to exhaust each point. Because a lot of this might sound like we've said it before, but listen, until you get it, some of it bears repeating, but this is, most of it is, 90% of it is new information from a different perspective. Number one, how faith responds. Faith responds by not trying to do what God has already done. Faith responds by not trying to do what God has already done. Let me give you an example. You know, my mom, bless her soul, praise God, she's rejoicing in heaven. 
But my, I, I'm a pretty neat and clean person. I can be kind of anal about it sometimes. And so I, I, am I right? You are. Okay. So. And I, and I appreciate that about you. Well, praise God. Thank you, honey. So, you know, I, I'm pretty diligent, vigilant about keeping my house clean. And so I mop, I sweep and mop almost just every day. And sometimes twice a day, right? My mom comes to visit us. And, and typically in our houses, we've always had all wood floors throughout the house, right? And my, after I'm cl I clean up, my mother will find a reason to get down on the floor and on her hands and knees clean my floors. And, you know, initially I would, get us, uh, I would be offended because I'm like, I done already cleaned my floors. You are not going to find anything that I didn't get. And because she was who she was, she would turn around and go after me to clean the floors, only to say, oh, I'm tired, I'm com she's complaining, my back hurt, and everything else, wouldn't she? Yeah, and the floor was already clean. And the floor was already clean. How many times have you went behind God to clean floors, that to do things clean. that he's already done? Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned to do so. Because the reality is, if you did something, most of you are upset at your jobs right now because, folks, there's this term called micromanaging, where you're doing something and you know you're doing it correctly or at least the way you were trained, and then somebody come up behind you and try to improve it, right? Amen. We're all, that's human nature. Just think of God now. I've made you right. Yeah. I've made you just. Yeah. I've healed you. I've delivered yeah. you. I've yeah. set you free. I've given yeah. you peace. I've given you joy. Yeah. I've, I love you more than, than you could possibly love yourself. How dare you question my ability to move in your life? And, and, or, or think about it this way. Then you're going to try to replace what Jesus done for you as if what he did was not good enough. It was not good enough. Wow. He was beat. He was scourged. He was humiliated, and he was crucified. He was buried. That was the easy part. The hard part was going to hell and being separated from God for three days on your behalf. He did more than enough to demonstrate to you that he got you. Yeah. He has you yes. truly in the palm of his hands if you're willing to rest there. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. We're going to talk about some subpoints, right? But right now, just to, just to talk more about and expound more on faith response by not trying to do what God has already done, this is, this is an excellent story. And Pastor Gregory said in times past that in order to understand it fully, we need to understand the context. And in Galatians chapter 2, this is Paul writing, and he's, and he's talking about how, you know, he had went on to study, and then, just and then he got the revelation of grace. Uh, of course, God would download the revelation of grace in him because he was just persecuting the Jews and in a day God converted him and here he is an apostle right and God uses him to go out and minister and God tells him you got to minister to the people that are not Jewish you got to minister to those people that are that are not like you and so this is a sort of a biblical example of, ra of prejudice and racism right so then Peter goes to the apostles this is John I mean, this is, yeah, John, uh, James, and Peter. And he lays before them the revelation that he gets about grace. And they say, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Because these were the apostles that were with Jesus, okay? They were with Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They ate with him. They watched him be crucified. They were there at his resurrection. This is going to matter in a moment. 
They were present. They had true, undeniable experience with the man and God, Jesus, the anointed one. And then Peter and Paul gets into it. <laughs> they get into it. Let's pick up Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read from the message, and I don't think I need to do more to explain the situation. So now they're all together, and now Peter comes down to Antioch where Paul is to help Paul minister. And Paul notices some things. Later, when Peter came to Antioch, I had a face-to-face -face confrontation with him because he was clearly out of line. This man, who spent time with Jesus, flesh and blood, actually watched him, ate with him, experienced him. Here's the situation. Earlier, before certain persons had come from James, Peter regularly ate with the non-Jews. But when that conservative group came from Jerusalem, he cautiously pulled back and put as much distance as he could manage between himself and his non-Jewish friends. That's how fearful he was of the conservative Jewish clique that's been pushing the old system of circumcision. Unfortunately, the rest of the Jews in the Antioch church joined in that hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was swept along in the charade. Now, Paul just got through explaining, listen, the non-Jewish, everybody is open to receive the grace of God. They don't have to go through our traditions. They don't have to get circumcised. They don't have to not eat certain foods anymore. Y'all agree. Now, Peter, you coming down to Antioch, and when no one's around, you are good. You're eating with them. You're fellowshipping with them. You're having some fun with them. But now all of a sudden, your friends from the church come, and you all brand new. You brand new. Now all of a sudden, they, they, they're unclean. Now all of a sudden, you try and distance them because, you know, they thought, the old Jews thought that because they uh, didn't look a certain way, didn't eat a certain way, didn't talk a certain language, weren't circumcised, that you can't, they're dirty. How many times have we watched somebody who looked like a gang member come up in church and we all of a sudden, oh, you got to keep your eye on him. And they can feel that too. How many times somebody dressed a certain way and, and we want to talk about them instead of going and encouraging them in modesty and how beautiful they are without all the extra? Right? So now P Peter is acting brand new. Peter was with Jesus. Jesus found Peter in his mess. Jesus restored Peter after he cut off the man's ear. Peter was the very one who denied Jesus three times uh, when, when they were accusing him. Now he are brand new. Right? Galatians chapter 2, verse 14, I'll continue. But when I saw that they were not maintaining a steady, straight course according to the message, I spoke up to Peter in front of all of them. Yeah, Paul called them out in front of everybody. There's a time to lovingly confront. And there's a time that we just got to, sometimes there's a righteous indignation that's justifiable even to God. And he says, I spoke up to Peter in front of them all. If you, a Jew, Live like a non-Jew when you're not being observed by the watchdogs from Jerusalem. What right do you have to require non-Jews to conform to Jewish customs just to make a favorable impression on your old Jerusalem cronies? So that's the foundation. But then it goes on to say in Galatians 2.15, this is why he's saying what he's saying. Because he's now establishing the doctrine and he's reiterating this message of grace. He's reiterating that our faith responds to what God has already done and there's nothing you can do to get him to respond faster or greater. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. 
No one has anything on you, saying, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, no one has anything over you. The pastor is not supernaturally blessed because he's a pastor, right. because God loves him more. That's good. Even the color of your skin. The color of your skin can does not put you at a disadvantage. At a, exactly. At all. It actually being in Christ gives you advantage. Gives you an advantage. If God is for you, no one can stand against you, boo. He said, we know very well that we are not set right by God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith, personal faith in Jesus Christ. Not the faith you have in what pastor said. Not the faith that you have in what first lady said. Not the faith that you have in what mama said and grandmama said, granddaddy or papa said. Your personal faith in Jesus and who he is to you. How do we know? We tried it. And we had the best system of rules the ever, world has ever seen. Convinced that no human being can please by God by self-improvement. Self-improvement information is great, but you're not impressing God. He's like, I made you that way. In fact, I made you perfect. You're still slightly lower. That's why you need Jesus. Because just you by yourself will never be good enough. You fail, remember? So good. We believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not trying to be good. We want to be good because we love him, not to get him to do something. Not to increase his grace on our lives. Not to, uh, to open up the fountain of blessings so that it flows faster. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Yes. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego, my way, my education, my degree, my associations, my frat, my sorority is no longer central in my life. So good. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It is, not is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion will be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? You've heard this before. No one has a heaven or a hell to put you in. So why live for the approval of man when man can do nothing for you? If they don't want to be your friend, cool. You save me some trouble. If they don't want to be in your life, cool. You save me some heartache. If they don't need me as an employee, cool. Someone else does. So, babe, you just said a, a powerful statement there. Think about this. Who's single in here? Raise your hand if you're single. Raise your hand online if you're single. So, so people can put a lot of work, time, and effort into self-improvement, right? So that what I present on social media looks a certain way. But that's not what you want to attract people with. What you want people, what you want to lead with is not your outward appearance. You want to lead with Christ in you. And the person you want to attract is the person who sees Christ in you. 
not physical beauty. Because how many you know it's fading? It is going to change. That's right. I used to have waves for days. <laughs> how many know those days are gone forever? Right? So, so I want to be real clear here. What I keep falling in love with her over and over again is not her outward beauty. It is her love for Christ. And it's the Christ in her that becomes more and more attractive to me because our outward man is perishing every single day. But our inward man is being renewed. So you can keep improving and getting better if you'll focus more on the inside than you do on the outside. Somebody ought to give God a real good praise for that in here, right? And the person you desire to attract, what you want them to see is Christ in you above everything else. That's right. That's right. And then he goes on to say, I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. Wow. If a living relationship with God can only come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Wow. If all I got to do is do these here rules, step A, step B, step C, then Christ died unnecessarily. So in other words, I have replaced what he did for me, and he no longer needed to die because I'm doing this. I don't I, actually need I that. have more confidence in what I know what and what I've experienced than what he did. Wow. So, so his whole death in that scenario was in vain. Was in vain. That's a powerful statement, folks. If we don't respond the right way to that, then his death could be in vain in our lives. I mean, we don't, I don't know about you. I don't want that. I actually want to honor his death by walking in everything that his death provided for me. I mean, that is the greatest way to honor his death, right? I know I love my mother. My mother's gone home to be with the Lord. I still live my life to this day in honor of her. It's one of the greatest joys of my life to know because some of her last words to me was, don't ever leave your wife and don't ever leave your children. I wake up every day thinking about not dishonoring not just God, but my mother. Because it was important to her that the structure and dynamics of this family began to change. And I looked her in her eye. This was like the day before she passed. And I said, Mom, I won't leave. I won't mess this marriage up, and I will not leave my kids. Folks, I'm challenging you. We're challenging you today to don't let his death be in vain in your life, but live every day in honor of everything that that death and resurrection provided for you. And the way you honor it is by actually receiving everything that he's already provided for you through that act. So, you know... I want to expound because I don't know if we, I want to expound on something that you said to make it relevant to the people both here and online. You know, he said he loves me because of Christ in me. And, and sometimes that, that phrase, that sentence could go over some people's head as just this, he's saying it because he's the pastor and, and he's spiritual and everything else. Yes, Christ in me, but Christ in me and Christ in him manifests. How does it manifest? I'm not... I'm not knick-knacking him. No. I'm not petty with him. Yep. He's not petty with me. I love him because, of, because I want to, not because I need him. He loves me because he wants to and not because of what, he, what I do for him. In fact, I do for him because I love him. Right? 
Christ in me, Christ in you. What does that mean? When you're not looking for them to fill a void that no one can fill but God. When you're, when you're looking to, to, to be, to, to, uh, Adriana said it to me earlier when she was talking about some, a title of another uh, man of God's message, shut up and shine. When we decide to just shut up and shine, live for Christ, we don't have to say nothing. We don't have to go out and expounding. You don't have to recite 50,000 scriptures. You don't have to know the whole book of anything. If you just get a true revelation that Jesus, God so loved me that he gave me, he gave me, he gifted to me. His only. He sacrificed his only begotten son so that I may not perish, but that I may have life eternal with him. If I could just rest in how much he loves me and, and, and that this is the all-powerful God, then I have no need of anything else. That's so good. I have no need of anything else. Can I tell on myself real quick? I want to add this to that statement and then share what you want to share. I want to help the men out. How many know men, we're visual creatures? Oh, scared men in here <laughs> and online. I said, how many of y'all know we're visual creatures? Which means we see other people. We weren't scared again on me, right? It's just the reality. Now watch this. What literally I process every single time listen to this very carefully, is that marriage is the image of God. It is how he expresses his image, which is why the world fights so hard against, against it and tries to rename it. So I literally go through this process. Marriage is the image of God. And God has been so good to me through this woman. I don't want to do anything to bring shame to him or to her. And it literally helps me bounce my eyes, make different decisions. Come on, somebody. Walk away, not follow through. Continue to honor God because he's loved me so much, and I don't want to do anything to make what he's done in vain in my life. That's the first reason. Then I think about his life in her and how he's used her to be so good to me. Why would I be so stupid? And mess something like that. And believe it or not, it keeps me. It kept me before marriage, and it's keeping me in marriage. Listen to me. Your spouse can never keep you. That's right. If God can't keep you, you can't be kept. That's right. The ring doesn't all of a sudden change things. You were a freak before the ring. You're going to be Most a freak after the ring. Most likely, you'll be a freak after the ring. You'll be a freak after the ring. I need somebody to say amen. We all grown folks in here, right? That's right. Marriage not going to solve If you that were is. selfish before the ring, you're going to be selfish after the ring. If you were greedy before, you'll be greedy after. If you were humble before, you'll still be humble afterwards. Right? If you were compassionate before, you'll be compassionate afterwards. If you were generous before, you'll be generous afterwards. The ring doesn't all of a sudden change anything. The ring just means you stuck with me. And it, just, and it magnifies more And it magnifies it. What's the saying? Love might be blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We're just going to stop right here. We have, man, listen, can we, let's just agree we're going to take our time with this. Now, this is a real, it's a paradigm shift. I can honestly tell you today God has done more. This process began for me almost seven years ago. 
God has done more for me in the last seven years of my salvation than he did the first 24 years with my performance mentality. True story. And I can argue that this year is actually the best year of my saved life during COVID, all aspects of it. Believe it or not, in a lot of ways, this is the church's best year with no people in the building. You know who's keeping the church? Not the people. Guess who's keeping the church? He's using people, but guess who's keeping the church? So think about it. He can keep the church with or without us. Amen. And that's real clear to me now. It's nothing special about us. It's everything that's special about him. That's right. And our ability to trust him through these times. So I want to challenge somebody watching online. I want to challenge someone in this room today. Have you been working too hard? Have you tried to replace what he's done for you through your own efforts? That can be tiring. That can be frustrating, right? Do you find yourself saying things like, I did this. God, how did you allow that to happen to me? God, I, I serve. I, I sold this. Do you find yourself talking about your performance too much? Well, I went to church. I tried that, and nothing still happened. Do you find yourself using statements like that? Those are exhausting statements. And, and God wants to give you rest today. God wants to deliver you from yourself. God wants to really give you the life that he prearranged for you, but it's your responsibility to respond properly to that. So if you're in this room today, let's get everyone in the room to just stand on your feet. If you're watching online, just stand on your feet right now if you're able to. And I really want you to start thinking inwardly right now. Let's lift our hands. Let's just begin to worship the Father for a moment. I think that's important for us. Just begin to worship him right where you're at, whether you're at home or in this room. Just begin to worship him. Father, I repent for every time I tried to replace what Jesus did for me through my own efforts, Father. I repent from that, Father. And I will continue to renew my mind, Father, that it's not my efforts to get anything in my life. It's your grace and how I respond to that, Father. Help us to clearly get this revelation in this congregation so that this whole body, this local body is delivered from a performance mentality and they enter over into your rest through faith. Help us to do that through your son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in this room or you're watching online, and you want to accept the, the free gift of his son. And it's through his son that he's provided a good life for you. He's done his part. Now you need to do your part by responding. So if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, if you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, I want to pray with you today. I'm not talking about attending church or watching church online. Do you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he is the son of God and that God raised him from the grave? That's the person I'm talking to today. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I'm already saved. But it's clear I've been charting my own course in life. I've been doing things my way, but I've also been getting my results. And so today I, I heard some things that just triggered in me. I need to rededicate my life. I need to come back to Christ, whether you're in this room or watching online. If any one of those two invitations described you, I want to pray with and for you right now. 
If you're in this room and one of those two invitations describe you, lift your hand up in the air right now. Just lift it up and keep it up. If any one of those two invitations describe you. If you're online watching right now, I want you to put your hand over your heart and repeat this prayer after me. Say these words by faith. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. And all my sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Praise God. Can we just rejoice in this room right now? Can we get rejoice online? Come on, let's give God glory, honor, and praise. Father, we know by faith that people made a heartfelt decision today. People prayed that prayer sincerely from their hearts. And if you're one of those persons that prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart, we want you to take your next step. It would do heaven's heart, God's heart, so much joy if you would take the next step. It would do my wife and I heart. It would do our hearts so much joy if you take the next step by filling out the information that's on your screen. In this room, I just want to circle back around. If you prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart and you need some additional information, just lift your hand up in the air right now. We'll put some additional information in your hand. Is there anyone in the room like that? Pray that prayer sincerely from their heart. Praise God. All right, take that next step. Fill out that uh, card there. Follow that information. Follow those prompts. We will follow up with you accordingly. If you're desiring to join Linked Up Church, of course, today is step two. You can actually respond and take the course all on today. So if you want to join Linked Up Church virtually or right here in the building, uh, you can just follow the information. Uh, I think it's the connect card uh, that is there as well. If you just follow that information, it will greatly lead you in the direction that you need to go to become a member of Linked Up Church. We want to say welcome to the family. Yes. My wife and I thank God, and we can't wait to meet you in person. Praise God. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right. And you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.